Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. So today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Stephen Cabral. At 17 years old, Stephen was diagnosed with a life-altering illness and given no hope for recovery. Every day he suffered endlessly for many years, and it was only after he traveled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurvedic healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize his life. His mission is to help people understand that there's always a reason why you have not achieved your ideal wellness or weight loss goals and that you can and you will get well again. He has a an online practice at stephencabral.com and he's a board certified naturopathic doctor and founder of the Cabral Wellness Institute. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for having me on. So let's get into that story because if we're going to lead like that, we need to know we need to know about the life altering <laughs> um, illness that we mentioned in the bio. So let's talk about you, the backstory, and then I'm going to be really curious about your travels around the world because I've heard I actually have a, a local doctor I really love, and he was an ER doctor, and kind of the same thing. I feel like this story happens. It's like he got into an accident and almost killed him. He was like, I got to slow down, do some different things, travel the world. And I love these stories. So I can't wait to hear yours. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to share that. And it was one of those that I think many people have is that you get sick. And how I got sick was essentially I woke up one day and my glands were swollen all of my body. So my, my right where the neck glands are, the lymph nodes there were swollen, uh, my armpits, my groin, basically all of those nodes were all blown up. My tongue was swollen. My eyes were swollen shut. So right, I'm only 17 years old. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what's going on, but I knew something was very wrong. And so I go downstairs and I said, this isn't like a typical illness. I was on and off antibiotics my whole childhood. I had allergies. So and my mother took one look at me and she said, I don't know what's going on either. We're going to take you to the doctor. So that began then two years of going from specialist to specialist, doctor to doctor, and no one being able to really put their finger on what was wrong with me. They could tell something was wrong with me because I had irregular heart rate, irregular blood sugar, joint pain, fibromyalgia. Um, back then, this is 20 plus years ago, 
they weren't really calling it chronic fatigue, but I had brain fog, digestive issues. So I basically had everything, but there was no disease name to give me yet. So after two years, I started looking for alternatives. Again, this is kind of pre-internet, late 90s. And my mother got a referral for an alternative doctor, and I put that in air quotes. And they began to run different types of labs. They began to look at my hormones, food sensitivity, gut testing. It was a brand new world. And so then I made the mistake, though, of bringing those labs to my PCP, which then they ran other medical, and again, that's in air quotes, labs. And they diagnosed me with Addison's disease, which is the mm -hmm. inability to produce cortisol, um, which is not a good thing when you're trying to squelch inflammation as well. Too much cortisol bad, but too little really bad as well. Um, I was also diagnosed with type 2 diabetes because I failed the glucose tolerance test. I had um, rheumatoid arthritis, earlier rheumatoid arthritis, which was the joint pain, and then all sorts of candida, SIBO, uh, H. pylori, um, causing other issues as well. So not a great uh, late teenage going into college life, and it took quite a while to get better because we were in the infancy of functional medicine back then. Met my mentor, so this will be the end of that. Uh, met my mentor, and she was the one who pulled it all together for me after seeing, again, dozens and dozens of doctors. She combined Ayurvedic medicine with functional medicine, taught me about how to combine the two, and I ended up getting well. So the sad part is, as you were listing off how you woke up and felt it that way, I was like, you sound like a typical client, <laughs> unfortunately, right. right? Like, you really <laughs> do. Right. I know it seemed like it was, uh, there. you were being attacked. The The big thing was, uh, you don't often get an, an Addison's disease diagnosis, I feel like. that That is awarded to special people that are really broken. So congratulations on that accomplishment at such a young age. Uh, and also... That wasn't a very fun one to get type 2 diabetes. So we're now around 19 years old. You've begun college. Did you go to college? Did you start traveling at that? I thought in my brain, I was like, oh, okay, maybe you weren't traveling, but you had your mentor and she pulled. That's what you need is the right person to pull things together because you can't always be your own. Um, you can't, you're expected to almost be your own provider when you have to pull all this together and you're going from provider to provider, provider to provider. I understand completely because I've heard this story a lot of times, but you've got your mentor. She pulls this together. Was the real source of all your symptoms, some of the gut stuff? Was it a combination of everything? Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So, um, Keep in mind, this is the late 90s. I, I'm from Medford, Massachusetts. I didn't have a computer. All, I'm going to the library and I'm just consuming books because I have a very obsessive personality. Um, and that can be a very bad thing, which is one of the reasons why I started to get so burned out at 17. I was trying to you know, study for my SATs and get into a great school. I wanted to you know, just Again, it's that perfectionist attitude. I was playing sports every season. I was working. And that wasn't the only reason. So I do want to – the reason I got sick was not just because I was stressed. That's a big factor in it. But I had been on and off antibiotics most of my childhood because my pediatrician would just give us antibiotics in a Z-Pack. We literally had Z-Packs in our house for whenever we would get a cold. Mm. So I would take them two, three, four times a year. Um, I had allergies, and so I was on uh, Benadryl at night and Sudafed during the day. It was just normal for us just to medicate, and that's the conventional medicine mindset, especially you know 20-plus years ago. Um, so when I got, I got sick because I had – what was later found out to be candida overgrowth, 
SIBO. Uh, I mean, the, some of the worst candied overgrowth anyone's ever seen, it had, it's in my small intestine. It had grown up through my stomach and all the way up my esophagus. So when they actually did an endoscopy, they could see it all the way down my esophagus. Mm. And so what do they do? Well, they gave me Diflucan, right? Or so it's like, well, that's not really going to help in the long run. Uh, so I had to get rid of the H. pylori, the SIBO, and the candida. The only thing I didn't have, uh, test-wise at least, was parasites. So it's kind of like three out of the four I had. And then I also was extremely, you know, again, stressed. Uh, I had immune-based issues, TH2 dominance. So I did not get better through college. I actually didn't meet my mentor till 27 years old. I was sick from 27, uh, from 17 to 27, getting better during college, but I would relapse. I would relapse all winter long because I went to school uh, in Providence, Rhode Island for undergrad. And I was sick all the time. I would get uh, pneumonia. I got pneumonia three out of five winters. Uh, I was, I mean, I was just a mess. I really was. So I would get a little bit better because a practitioner would teach me something new and I'd be like, oh, this is the answer. And then I would get sick again and I could never pull it together. And then finally, and again, I'm reading hundreds of books a year and I still, I couldn't figure it out on my own. And that is why I do believe that people need a mentor. Um, it just shortens the learning curve. And so again, I'm very thankful, uh, for my mentor and, and she's the one who said, like this, listen, this, this is what we need to do. Uh, that was a long time for you to be sick. It's amazing that you made it through college. Sounds like you're a really self-starter, like you said, obsessive, like you really, really want to, to get better. Um, when you're sick all winter, I'm just thinking about what your body was going through. If you had all this stuff knocking you down, all the pathogens, one that really taxes your adrenals. And like you had said, you had all these other things going on. So that was very challenging. It would have been hard to function. And two, it also really, your immune system trying to get rid of these things on its own as you try to support it really gets suppressed as well. So it kind of makes sense that you would get sick, but it, it just didn't make sense to you. So then you had the mentor and how did you finally, let's talk about like the climax of this because you're sick for a long time. You really start to pull it together. You've really eradicated all the things. How do we optimize wellness from that point? You come from the bottom of, you come from the bottom of the barrel. Oh, I didn't realize I brought that in bottom of the barrel and you're coming up. <laughs> you're, there's a, there's a reason for this. Steven has a book. Uh, so come from the bottom of the barrel and we're coming to the top. How do we get, how do we get up there? So we're like not in the bottom of the valley. Sure. And so there are some people are complicated cases. This is a, this was a complicated case. Anybody with what's called myalgic encephalomyelitis, uh, it's like flu like symptoms all the time. It's, you know, people call it chronic fatigue syndrome or, you know, CFIDS and all sorts of different um, anacronyms. But there are so many layers to this. And it's not necessarily a simple fix. But I'll tell you right now, everything is fixable. I really believe that I don't I've not seen or heard of a case where someone has not already recovered from it. So if one person can do it, others can as well. And a lot of times you just need that hope because I'm not going to say I didn't give up a lot because I did. I mean, I was a young kid. I was upset. I was angry at the world. I was anxious. I had insomnia. It was, again, I was not happy. But I realized that there was, it was only one of two ways. I was put on Cortef. I was put on Flornef. I was put on Prilosec. And I was just, this was going to be my life unless I did something different. So I realized after, again, getting in college, looking things up on the internet and finding that people who were put on these drugs did not live a very long or healthy life. And I didn't want that to be my life. I just, for whatever reason, something inside of me said, you have to figure this out. 
And so I just, every time I relapsed, I would, yes, become depressed, and, but I would get back up. Whatever was inside of me, I was just stubborn. I was a stubborn kid, and still am probably to this day. But it helps me because I say that I'm just not going to give up until we figure this out, and I keep the same attitude today. So what this is one of the most complicated cases you'll see because what happens is I couldn't control my immune system, and I couldn't control my HPA axis, which controls your adrenals, until I regulated my blood sugar. So I had to regulate that. I had to work on that. I also had to remove the food sensitivities. I had to seal up my gut because my I had massive intestinal permeability. If you run a food sensitivity test and you ran an IgG and you would look at leaky gut, you would see just everything was elevated. Well, I can't eliminate every food from my diet. So I realized that all the every time I ate, and I was eating healthy foods, the permeability of my gut wall was just allowing these proteins into my bloodstream. And then that was activating my immune system. So... I started with the gut, I started with blood sugar, I started to get into a sleep schedule, it was everything. I mean, I have something called the de-stress protocol, it's diet, exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, rest, emotional balance, supplements, and success mindset. And I, for hard cases, you need them all. But the nice thing is this, you don't have to be perfect with them all. If you were just using diet, you'd have to be absolutely 100% perfect. But if you can use a multitude of practices, that we just call integrative health, you don't have to be perfect and it will get you well faster. So that's what I do today. I, I couldn't agree with everything you said there more. I love the framework. What you told me though, is that you got better because of your mindset. And I'm not saying that was like, but that was the, that was the icing on the cake. If you didn't have that, not, not even the icing, if you didn't have that as the foundation, you couldn't have had the tenacity to get through. And there's a huge difference. And I haven't t said this for a while on the podcast, but there is a clear difference and the rate of success on how people get better with where their mindset and their brain is um, in it. The people who do not have a positive mindset improve substantially slower, it seems. Would you agree? If, if at all. Absolutely. I, I mean, if at all, because they just won't stick with the program. Most programs for people that aren't well going to take 12 to 16 weeks, three to four months to really heal the body. It just doesn't heal overnight. Now, if you get rid of dairy that was causing your bloating and your acne and things like that, sure, you can feel better in 14, 21 days. There's no doubt about it. But for deep healing, the body turns over all of its red blood cells every 90 to 120 days. And we have to look at that fact. So success mindset will enable everyone to get well. Um, but those without a great mindset can still get well. They just might not actually keep their results. Yeah. Totally. I love your story. So that's why I've spent so much time on it. But let's move to the next piece of it, where you must be inspired. So I don't know what you went for your undergrad for in college. But as you get better, you're obviously inspired to help others. So tell us about that transition. Yeah, so for me, I had already been working as a nutritionist and personal trainer through college, because I was looking for work that I could work on myself while at the same time I was just I really was just accumulating knowledge and I did love it I mean even though I couldn't get well I, I learned a lot and I was getting a little bit better but yes of course relapsing so that was something that I loved I ended up um, opening up my first center um, around 2007 and uh, that was the, around the same time that I met my mentor as well so that's what I was doing and then went back to school and did internships. That was like the big thing for me is that I, my philosophy was this. I mean, I was jaded. I had seen the best of the best in Boston, Massachusetts for doctors and they couldn't get me well. Mm 
And so I was upset by that. And it's not that they aren't brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And I always tell people, if you have a staph infection, if you have, you know, bilateral pneumonia, if you're if your life's in risk, please go to see the most brilliant MDs in the world at your emergency room clinic, have a PCP. But it would also be great to have a health coach, a integrative nutritionist, a ND, you know, someone that does functional medicine as well, so that you can go to them for all the chronic-based issues. So for me, I said, I want to study with the best minds around the world. And whatever the best form of medicine is, that's what I'm going to practice and take back to the U.S. Or, you know, it's in the U.S. So that's what I did. But what I realized, I studied um, in a traditional Chinese uh, medicine hospital in, in Beijing. Uh, I studied in India multiple times. I studied in Sri Lanka, all Ayurveda. I studied in uh, Europe for functional medicine, advanced functional medicine. And then I studied all over the U.S. What I realized was after studying all these forms of medicine, bioregulatory medicine, orthomolecular medicine, et cetera, they're all phenomenal, like every single one of them. And to not use pieces of each does not allow your patient or wellness client the full benefit of only doing one thing. So meaning that if you're a practitioner and you have one tool, you have to make sure that that's going to work for your client. But a lot of times it's not. You need to pull on a magnitude of things. So for me today, I might not be the expert in acupuncture, but I studied it or chiropractic. So now I could say, in conjunction with what we're doing right now, I'd also love you to go see this person. So that's that's basically where I'm at today. I love that because <laughs> before I arrived where I practice now, I think we find what works best for people. And so um, before I arrived at this, I did study some different things. And a lot of it was based in Chinese medicine. And what I started to find, there was different protocols and different ways people practiced. And some of it was kind of goofy, but there was overlap in certain ways. Like That's right. And so you see that there has got to be some validity um, when there's commonalities between these different things. And so you really got the front row seat to a lot of that. Well, that's why I did it. Because I, I was, I'm skeptical to this day of everything. I really am. And I need to see it not only in the research, because the research is often in a controlled lab, and that's not the real world, because I work with people in the real world. And so I said, when I go to these clinics, I actually want to see with my own eyes, are people really getting better? So I was on these longer internships. You know, for example, I was at a, an Ayurvedic clinic. Uh, this one was in Sri Lanka. And people would go there for four to six weeks. So I'm there. I get to see all of that. I get to actually implement, work with the people, ask them, how are you doing? And I can see it working. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, okay, it's working for these people, not as well for these people. Why is it not working as well for these people? What's going on? What's the reason? And why is it working for these? And so just like you, I looked for the commonalities. And what I realized was, so don't get me wrong, nobody's a bigger advocate and fan of Ayurvedic medicine than I am. But just like my mentor, what if you could be, I just don't like to guess. So if I can run labs with you, and these are at-home labs, anybody can do them, I can pinpoint if you have yeast or fungal overgrowth, if you have parasites, H. pylori, SIBO, clostridia-based bacteria, your B vitamin levels, it's why wouldn't we do that? And then we can combine a lot of the uh, herbal or dietary and other programs to go along with this lab testing. So uh, again, my my opinion is there is no one best form of medicine. Let's use them all, take the ego out of medicine, and then we're going to be able to help more people. 
Oh, I love your philosophy. Thank you so much for saying that. So let's get into practice a little bit because now we're, you're a practitioner and there's some things that you see in practice. So for example, we've heard you say that inflammation is not a disease. What do you mean by this? So when I look at it and I don't deny inflammation, inflammation is implicated with over 90% of all diseases. And I'd say, well, what are the 10% that aren't? I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that a disease does not have inflammation as part of it. But inflammation is a hallmark sign of a disease process in the body. But you have to ask, why the inflammation? So rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, skin issues, et cetera, they all have inflammation. So we get that. But what causes those? That's always my question, why? So you could treat inflammation with prednisone, you could treat it with Advil, ibuprofen, or you could treat it with things like boswellia or bromelain, et cetera, et cetera. And those are, those are all different modalities from a natural or conventional medicine perspective. And I just ask this, like, I don't, I don't want people to suffer. But if someone has inflammation and disease, which disease, in my opinion, does not really exist either, because it's simply a collection of symptoms we give a name to, so that we can bill insurance to prescribe a pharmaceutical. That's it. We can write an ICD-9 code on a, on a piece of paper. But if you tell me you have rheumatoid arthritis, or let's say Hashimoto's, because um, there's probably a lot of people suffering from Hashimoto's listening to this, and it, which is affects your thyroid, well, sure, you could say it's genetic. I agree with that. But that doesn't mean that you had it when you are eight years old. You got it maybe when you were 18 or 28. So why did it manifest? Well, it manifested because most likely you had some type of intestinal permeability because it's implicated now with 90% of all autoimmune issues. So you had food sensitivities, you had uh, leaky gut, you had maybe candida overgrowth, maybe SIBO, you had aluminum or mercury uh, toxicity in the body. Uh, what else could it be? Lack of iodine, lack of selenium, et cetera. So we can figure out why, and then that's the reason why the inflammation and why the Hashimoto's. But the nice thing is this, we don't have to treat the disease, we can actually go back to what started it, and then lo and behold, the Hashimoto's goes away. Just like my Addison's, my type 2 diabetes, my rheumatoid, my fibromyalgia, all of those things have all gone away. Totally. Um, so how about the people that say that disease is just genetic? Like they say, oh, well, I, I have, I'm going to take that, like I'm, I'm stuck with my high, I'm stuck with my high cholesterol because it's genetic or whatever we want to say here. For sure. And, and that is the excuse, I would say, not by people, but what's been given to them by their doctors whom they've been told that's the way by conventional medicine, like the system. So here's the thing. I always tell people that there's three essential triggers to your disease, and you can just name your disease, whatever it is. So there's the predisposition for sure. But then there's the environment you've been exposed to. So when I was growing up, I was exposed to a lot of uh, cow's milk dairy and all sorts of gluten and Kool-Aid I was drinking and Little Debbie snacks and oxidized fat and all these different things. And all of that was the environment I was putting myself in. <laughs> So that was a trigger, but then there's a triggering event usually as well. And for me, it was senior of high school. It was the stress. It was all of those things. And it was, of course, more and more antibiotics. So I, I didn't even say to people, I was put on three years of daily amoxicillin for acne when I was 14 and a half years old. Mm. So talk about wiping out your gut bacteria. And that was part of the triggering event. So you have that, but we all have to understand as all four of my grandparents had rheumatoid arthritis. Both my parents had rheumatoid arthritis. 
I no longer have rheumatoid arthritis. I got it when I was 17, right? I got it because it was there. It was in my genetics. But we know with epigenetics, we can turn on or off those genes based on our lifestyle. And that includes food and stress and everything else, toxins going on with our body. So yes, genetics matter, but they should not be your destiny. It should be something that you just watch out for and that you can improve upon. Yeah, I love it. We talk about that a lot, about it not being, uh, it's a... It's a propensity, but not your destiny, or it's a it's a possibility. I always call it like the cards that you're dealt in life and how you play them is really how you win the game. Okay, so Excellent. let's talk about common things that you see in clinic every day because you still have a very bustling um, practice. I think it's in person and online, and there's several people that work with you. What are the things that you're seeing over and over and over in clinic? So the majority of people that we see and, and we run labs with people in 19 countries all over the world. So this isn't just a US based issue. The majority of people that we see have digestive based issues, whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. So they may come in with, again, Hashimoto's high cholesterol, high blood pressure, rosacea, alopecia, migraines, etc. But they also mentioned, sure, yes, and I do get some bloating and some gas and some acid reflux, but I only eat these 11 foods and I'm fine. So like, well, okay, but you're only eating 11 foods. If you didn't, you would have all of these other issues. So we want them, we want to explore that. And so a lot, there's a lot, but again, a lot of people do come in with bloating and uh, water retention, et cetera. So one of the biggest things we are seeing though, in a lot of women right now is something called estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. And this is unknown to them. So they know that they have some water retention and cellulite and lower mood and lower libido and a little bit of chin-based acne and they have thinning hair and they don't know why. And no one's ever explained it to them. They just think like, oh, it's part of aging and whatever it might be. But there's actually a clinical diagnosis called estrogen dominance. And the, the wildest part of this is that estrogen is almost always normal in women. It's almost always normal. But what happens is if they test their progesterone, days 19 to 21 of their cycle, they'll find that the ratio of estrogen to progesterone is off, which is why so many women around five days to seven days before their uh, menstrual cycle begins will actually have a lot of the symptoms that I just named, and they'll just be more pronounced. So the nice thing is there's an answer to that as well, and it's not giving more progesterone typically or mm -hmm lowering estrogen. It's actually finding out why the body is so low in progesterone. And much of the time, it's some stressor on the body. And again, that could be viral based, it could be digestive based, toxin based. We find that we calm that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, and uh, we rebalance those hormones. Yeah. Plus the digestive issues, the estrogen all got stuck in there. But I like how you say that most people come in with digestive issues, whether they know it or not. And that is an interesting statement because I, one of the issues I say I work with is digestive issues and I work with skin issues and I prefer if people come in with both because then I don't have to prove, then I don't have to prove to them that they have digestive issues. <laughs> they just know off the bat that they have it. Um, sometimes it's hard for people to understand that, oh, my skin issues or my Hashimoto's or whatever are stemming from inside my gut. I mean, I know that's become more of a mainstream topic, but I feel like people still sometimes have a hard time wrapping their brain around it. Like, why would it be doing that? And so kind of teaching them that piece, um, it's, it's nice if they, already see the digestive issues. And you're right. We tend to think like that 
even abnormal digestion is normal or common, you know, common or normal for us because maybe people have never experienced what normal is. So if you don't know what normal is, it's kind of hard to, to, to be able to identify it. So I completely agree. And that's also why most men will never say they have digestive issues because they just, it's really common amongst guys just to be like, Hey, this is totally normal. Like I have a lot of burping. I have a lot of bloating. I have a lot of gas like whatever. They just don't see it as an issue. Uh, but the truth is it really is. You should not be walking around like that. No, you shouldn't be. And actually, sometimes you need those people to point it out to you. I got a husband. I married a guy who was who was gassy, and he married a wife that was burpy. And he'd be like, "That is disgusting. That is like not normal." <laughs> and I mean, if you if you've been living like that for a long time, you don't realize that it's not normal until someone points it out to you. Like, gross, <laughs> not very it's normal. True. On this topic, so you're the male, and usually you attract like attracts like. Sometimes, do you see more men in practice, or you see more females, or do you feel like it's equal? Because as a female, I think we t- attract more females. So I'm curious what you think with males is it still females because they want to be more aware of their body or do you feel like you see more males because you're a male no i, I see um 70 to 80 percent women in my practice and, and always have yeah got it i'm not surprised okay so let's talk about a tough case we talked about what's kind of common and what people are coming in with but tell us a story about a tough case and how you handled it So I work with a lot of women on stubborn weight loss as well, and they've tried everything. They've tried keto, low carb, working out six days a week for an hour, and the whole notion of, you know, eat less and exercise more just doesn't work for them, and and it doesn't work for a lot of people, to be honest. It actually makes you worse in the long run and lowers your metabolism, but no one ever tells you that. So you just keep pushing and you try to exercise more and then you try to eat less, but you realize like how many calories than 1200 calories can you really eat? Like you have to eat something. And so inevitably it doesn't work and they feel it's their fault and then they're destined again. This is their genetics and they're just destined to be this way. So one of our jobs is to let women know, uh, men as well, don't get me wrong, but it's it's more so uh, and unfortunately has more to do with women. And the reason is because of what happens in a female's body when the body is stressed, and again, it can be any stressor. It's not just emotional stress. It's digestive stress, as we just spoke about. Um, it is a viral-based stress, toxic stress. And what happens is women literally begin to, under greater amounts of stress, lower progesterone, so they get estrogen dominant. So again, you get that weight gain. It's not always body fat. People retain water, and they call it body fat, but the body becomes toxic in terms of inflammation. Inflammation literally makes you hold water. You get puffy. That's how inflammation partially works. And that's just, that's not a, it's a byproduct of it. So we're looking at that phase of it. We're looking at um, also why they can't absorb any nutrients. So when you have digestive-based issues, your body is not able to extract because of either low stomach acid, poor bile um, dropping into the small intestine, uh, poor microbiome, you can't manufacture all the vitamins and minerals you need. So your body actually wants and craves more calories to get more micronutrients, not macros. So what we do is we teach women, actually, we're going to have you exercise a little bit less or do a little bit lighter workouts, more body weight, less hit-based training. In the beginning, we can get back to that. More hatha yoga, more um, doing uh, saunas and We're going to get the body really healthy because a healthy body can't be sick, but it also can't be overweight. So we worked with women that have had, you know, eating disorders in their teenage years, very common that we see, and um, they are 20, 30, 80 pounds overweight, sometimes more. 
we just get the body healthy. We really do. We rebalance hormones. We rebalance blood sugar. If you wake up and your glucose is above 95, you're not really going to be tapping into body fat. So we rebalance the body and we let women know that it has to do with their thyroid. It has to do with their estrogen levels. It has to do with high cortisol levels in the evening. We rebalance those things and the body loses weight naturally without having to force it off. Because if you have to force the weight off, you know that it's unsustainable. Like you just know yourself, how long am I going to be able to do this? So we want to do it where it's maintainable. Uh, and that's what I preach. Yeah, totally. I, I was going to ask you about weight loss because it's one of the things I tend to shy away from talking about because again, people want to be focused on this number on the scale, but I, I have a whole episode about this. It's all the functional stuff underneath that you just talked about. And sometimes people like the mindset is just so focused on the scale that it's hard for them to be patient, to work through and to listen to their body and work through the functional piece. But I feel like you really embrace it and you're like, come at me we can work on weight loss. But by the way, it's going to be a lot of under underlying stuff, right? All we say is we're going to we're going to focus on getting you extremely healthy. There's no calorie counting. There's no point counting. We're mm -hmm. focused on the quality of the food. And um, you can weigh yourself if you want. Half the people do. Half don't. That's up to them. But we say, listen, your weight's going to fluctuate naturally day to day. And even from when you wake up in the morning to what you weigh at night, which can actually be a sign of inflammation and, and poor digestion. Um, but, you know, however you want to do it, we're going to support you. But I can tell you this. We're not going to look just for your weight loss within seven days. We're going to look at what is it over the course of your next 12 to 16 weeks because what we help you lose is going to be permanent weight loss results, not just you know highs and lows in, in uh, crash dieting. Right, totally. All right, let's talk about the rain barrel effect because it's not necessarily obvious. And I mentioned the bottom of the barrel earlier. Tell us about the rain barrel effect. This is your big thing. So the rain barrel effect was essentially the – you know, people, I call it the secret, right? But it's not a secret, but it's something that we don't do in the United States. So the secret to all of these Eastern-based forms of medicine has always been removal, subtractive, detoxification. It's one of the reasons why now intermittent fasting is becoming so popular because it's the very first subtractive process that we've talked about in the United States or like the Western-based mentality where if you give your body time and you give it the resources, now in the U.S. we don't give it the resources, but if you give your body enough time and not put it in more, because again, if you're listening to this podcast, you should be extremely grateful that you basically want not for too much. Like you could walk outside right now and probably will either drive or I'm in the city, walk 100 yards and you can get something to eat. So there's no shortage of putting into our body more supplements, more food, more this, more that. But the way to get well in the traditional uh, naturopathy, in bioregulatory medicine, in um, Ayurvedic medicine was detoxification. It was a removal process. It's understanding that the blood is literally 300 times more toxic. Uh, sorry, the fat cells, the adipose tissue is 300 times more toxic than the blood. And that's because your body has to get these toxins out of the body very quickly, which means your liver has to be functioning really well. Or it has to get it through the skin, which, again, is another reason why sauna is becoming more popular. And I'm happy to see these things. Mm -hmm. But there are systems of medicine that have already figured this out 6,000 years ago in Ayurveda, put it all together. So the rain barrel effect is literally how we've built up. Take myself, for example, over 17 years with stress and with oxidized fats and with too many omega-6s and with all sorts of processed sugars and food sensitivities and Everything building up, aluminum, I had mercury in my body, 
And I, when I got to the top of my rain barrel, proverbial rain barrel, when it overflowed, that's when I got sick. And that's how it is for every dis-ease someone has. You didn't have it most likely when you're six years old, eight years old. Why did you get it when you were in your 30s? It's because you met your upper limit, your total body burden or your total toxic load, it's also called. And you can start to see it. If you know the symptoms to look for, you can see that it's coming. In Ayurveda, there's six phases of disease. In bioregulatory medicine, there's six phases. Conventional medicine only knows about the last two when it's come to fruition. So in order to reverse this process, you need to empty your rain barrel. That's what it's all about. Mm, I like it. Well, let's talk about the symptoms of toxicity because you alluded to it. But if you know what you're looking for, you know that like it's toxin buildup and toxic load buildup. So tell us about some of those common symptoms that you'd see. Yeah, absolutely. And so I give, I have this um, toxicity quiz, but a lot of it is looking at all the different symptoms that you may have. So for example, we talked about skin a little bit earlier. It is not natural, especially for an adult to have acne um, or to feel like they have under eye swelling or their skin starting to age prematurely or their hair starting to thin prematurely. They have psoriasis, they have eczema, uh, they have rosacea. Or even dry skin. Again, that's a symptom of what? Either poor digestion of fats, um, lower, uh, poor circulation, lower thyroid. There's multiple reasons why. So, and then again, other things like headaches. It's not normal to get headaches. If you get headaches at least well, like once a week, that's that's a sign. Your body's saying, "Don't give me Advil, ibuprofen, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Give me the answer as to why I have this vasodilation, this histamine issue, whatever it may be. Because again, there's always that underlying root cause. So the symptoms are of toxicity is essentially, and, and again, I list these, but anything where you don't feel like you have the vitality and zest and energy for life. If you wake up groggy, it's another symptom that your body is getting run down, that is literally becoming toxic. So this is all part of the process. Yeah. I appreciate you talking about this because a conversation I've been having a lot with people is that linearly you can do these things with the gut and kind of expect it, a, a progress over this amount of time. With toxicity, it just continues to build up depending on what changes you made because you're constantly pulling trash in from all over. Like you breathe and you touch things and, and whatnot. So you're getting it from all over. So the process is never really over. It's just like really trying to empty your rain barrel or your bucket or whatever. So you feel like, so you take away that weight and feel the best. I mean, that's the real proverbial way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why we recommend it quarterly. And, and every other form of medicine, literally every other form of medicine, even in most major religions, they did detoxification protocols as part of their rituals and they did it with every season. So back then, there weren't even the synthetic chemicals that we have today. There's 77,000 man-made chemicals in the United States alone. The World Health Organization has already uh, shown this. The um, Environmental Working Group, group EWG.org, has shown that before a child even comes into life, they have at least 200 different cancer-causing chemicals in their body that they got from their mother's blood that moved through the placenta, through the fetal cord to them. And again, this has been proven. They only tested for 400 chemicals, and they found on average 231 in each of those 10 Americans. And you can look up that study. Mm -hmm. So this is not something that's ever going away. And it's not going away because we have synthetic man-made chemicals. We have a lot of corporations that have a lot of power. So it's really up to us. It's to get the shower filter, the water filter, to buy products that are actually, if you're going to put them on your skin, they have to be edible. 
If not, your skin's going to absorb them anyways, and it's going to go into your bloodstream. So I tell people you can't get overly worried about this, but do a functional medicine detox every 12 weeks. Yeah, good, good advice. What's your gut reaction you'd like to leave people with today if someone is listening to this and saying, feeling very enlightened? What's the end message you want to leave them with? Well, we can never cover everything in one podcast. That's always going to be the challenge, right? But the, the, mm-hmm. I think the great thing about podcasts and why I love them is that you can have conversations with people that come from different walks of life. But at the end of the day, everyone's sharing with you, uh, I believe, the possibility. The possibility that you can and honestly, you will get well, whatever your issue is, if one, you don't give up. And two, you continue to work the process because even though a lot of the things that I didn't do necessarily got me well, they got me to be able to ask the next question. So it's never a failure. It really isn't by trying this diet or trying this thing because usually it's not a complete waste. You can learn something from it, take what was beneficial to you, and then move on to the next thing if you need to. Now, if you want to shortcut that process and get rid of the trial and error for the most part, I would recommend at-home functional medicine lab tests. We offer those to people 19 countries around the world um, at Equilibrium Nutrition. But the truth is, too, you can work with your local functional medicine doctor or um, integrative health practitioner, et cetera, and they can run the labs with you. So it's just about getting the data. If you believe you have digestive issues, you can work with someone like yourself. You can run labs to see if you have candida overgrowth, bacterial overgrowth, parasites, H. pylori. And if you have it, it's binary. Like it's just, yes, you have it. Well, now you know. Let's get rid of this. And then you can open up a whole new world of health for yourself. Right. Totally. All right. So where can people find you online? We've mentioned several places. So we've got the podcast. Tell us where you'd like people to go if they want to hear more. So I always just start with education and content and just getting more to people on a topic. So my podcast page is stephencabral.com forward slash podcast. It's called The Cabral Concept. And I think we're up to 1,260 shows. So you can search the directory there for topics. Um, and then all of the books and at-home labs and protocols are at equilibriumnutrition.com. Cool. I really agree with everything you're saying. I appreciate all that you shared today. Um, I thought you dropped a lot of knowledge bombs. And I hope we can have another deeper conversation soon. That sounds great. Thank you for having me on and thank you for all the work that you were doing as well. I appreciate that. Thanks. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 